Welcome to These Lads Are Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. These Lads Are Mental recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. So much has happened tonight. It has been crazy. No one has gotten proper time with Matt. Who knows what's going to happen? Good evening, ladies. What a night it's been. Emotions are definitely running high. A side to Washer Ginsburg you've never seen. G'day, I'm Osha Ginsberg. Osha Ginsberg has been on our TV screens for more than a decade. Today I'm with Osha Ginsberg, one of the biggest names in Australian media. Gosh, oh. from Australian Idol to helping people find love on The Bachelor, we love him dearly. Welcome, Osha Ginsberg. <laughs> Christmas, back, Christmas special. A fucking live. <laughs> a fucking live. We are live for the first time. Well, I mean live in person, we should say. We've been doing all our podcasts over Zoom since uh, lockdown and COVID was around. But we're here literally in the Koji Pav. In the Pav, mate. Buzzing what I set up. Rooftop. Beaches just to our right. And then uh, a naked woman to our left. Some people would say this is a dream. It is, we've got fans on, we just have brekkie together, it's Friday, summer. Christmas, next week. Well, Buzzing. But there's even something more exciting about today, Gary, isn't there? There is, mate, there is. Our guest. Our guest, our belter today. So today we have Osher Gunsberg. <laughs> you just stopped there, hey? Yeah, no, I was, <laughs> I was trying to, I was waiting for people to get up. Applaud. <laughs> There's nobody here. We were waiting for an applause there, but then we realised there's actually nobody. Uh, it's a live podcast with no audience. Um, unplugged. Sure, yeah, unplugged like MTV. No, but I'm sure people um, will be delighted to hear from Osher. We, we've been trying to keep it under wraps over the last few weeks, but anyone that we have spoken to has been blown away by the fact that, you know, not only do people know Osher from TV, but also his mental health advocacy, right? Yeah, that's... Again, I think I said to you a couple of times this week when I mentioned to people who are doing Osher, that's the first thing I said to you, oh, he's a massive mental health advocate. And then when you, you go into his story, it's... Well, again, that's the episode, but the story is incredible. Don't have to go into too much detail, but his advocacy is amazing. His, obviously, his TV, radio, etc. is amazing, but what he's done for mental health, his own journey is next level. Yeah, and we put a lot of research into this. Gary certainly has. I got a three-page essay here on the <laughs> That's the short story, but it really is fascinating to see what he's done. We can't wait to dive into some of it. To be honest, there's too much here for us to do in one episode. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to try and do our best to condense it and, and focus on his mental health advocacy. So, yeah, this is going to be a pretty exciting one. I'm a bit nervous, guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I've heard nothing but good things. I heard he's a legend, so I'll be soon. Normal conversation, bit of banter. Yeah. Again, everything for the right reason. 
try to get some pathways on the go for mental health and then bring in more awareness to it. So it'll be a good conversation. It's probably due in the next five or six minutes, so we'll crack on it. Let's go. As a way of intro through our research, there is just so much to talk about and we won't be able to cover everything today, but even just as a quick intro to all the listeners, in case you don't know who Asher is, you're a lover of caboodle dogs, you're a mental health advocate, you're a strong believer that mental health can break down the stigma if we talk about it. You also are an ambassador for the Shepherd Centre, the charity supporting kids and families affected by hearing loss. You're a photographer, an avid cyclist, a vegan, even though you don't like calling yourself a vegan. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you're a parent, you're a TV host, yeah. you're a musician as well. There's a lot. There's and a lot, you're a man. podcast host. Yeah, yeah. What does that feel like when you hear all that back? We the biggest, biggest problem with vegans is other vegans. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. Anything that involves a race to purity, I'm not interested. Oh, I love that. I love you that. know, the idea of like, yeah, there's still leather in your motorcycle shoes, isn't there? But you're, not, you're not really there, are you? <laughs> Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been 20 years since I've eaten meat. Oh, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in the game here. <laughs> and what I put in my mouth is my business, and All what right. you put in your mouth is your business. Yeah. And, and just this idea of, you know, I get it. You know, I understand that you want to define yourself in a certain way, but yeah. I just, I'm, I like to say I'm plant based and I'm trying wherever I can to do whatever I can. But yeah. this whole idea of this, you know, this, this pure. It's a gateway to bullshit that mm-hmm. and justification of behaviour, and you see it in yeah. uh, the appeal to purity is a, 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 a recruitment tactic that religions use, that certain uh, anti-science uh, viral defence movements use. <laughs> um, this appeal to purity, this idea yeah. of uh, oh, no, 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 but, you know, I'm a, I'm untouched, I am pure, <laughs> yeah. I am this, my, te- I am a temple. You know, but really, you're like neck and pills you bought in the middle of a yeah. fucking tent at Splendor three years ago. <laughs> yeah, and now you're doing this. Fuck off. Well, that's the argument, yeah, even with the health industry. Not that, you know, our business is like this, but, you know, people will pump out the health journey, but then on the weekends they go out and they get messed up on stuff. Where's the reality there? Yeah. So, anyway, it's wonderful to hear all that stuff. But, you know, I'm nearly 50. If it wasn't that long, it'd be Are a you? problem. Yeah, uh, I suppose. Do you mind if I ask what, what age? Two it? years. I'm oh, nearly 48. I'll be 48 in March. 47, wow. mate. Send the research. Come on. Wow. <laughs> so I guess if I'm no, but you're not as 47 and three quarters. Or <laughs> if I was this, if I was, uh, if I was this age, and your list was two things long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, more, he's, like, an, more he's an accountant <laughs> and a fan of public transport. <laughs> I would be like, but maybe I'd be like, and that's the way I like uh, it. Minimalism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fine, whatever. If you're an accountant who likes public transport, great. Well, that is not part. Sometimes I kind of envy people where they they just like to simplify. Uh, I'm yes. always trying to think of what's the next thing I can do, you know? Uh, it's a trap. Well, it's a trap. there's a certain element of, we all have different brains. I mean, I was just seeing my, um, you know, speaking of, you know, interesting health practitioners, I was just seeing my chiropractor, which is a whole kind of nebulous yeah. world. Yeah. <laughs> He's an amazing guy. He never cracks me. He's me fucking are. excellent. Yeah, don't crack my neck. Yeah. <laughs> this guy, anyway. He was talking about, he said the best, we're talking about our kids in school and he, he talked about the, the best cartoon he ever saw, the best description of the school system we ever saw was uh, a tree, right? The cartoon was of a tree and the tree said um, success at school and lining up next to the tree was an elephant, a giraffe, 
a, a monkey and uh, a warthog. And it was like, we're going we're gonna to judge you on how well you climb this tree. Oh, oh wow. Well, that's what school is, though. Yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 there's yeah. four completely different... Yeah, yeah, every one of us yeah. is completely Learns different, and our brains work completely differently, yet we have to get pushed through this... This, this tiny little opening, this itty bitty aperture of no, this is what it counts to be, um, you know, successful, and that can be that can really fuck you because yeah. in my high school years, I you know, as far as the school system was concerned, I did not do well. Yeah, yeah. I'm a clever person, mm. but as far as school's concerned, I'm not. Yeah, you know, and well, it's a memory test. Shit. It's a I memory test. Really. That's something. Yeah, you know? I, I used to meet mates who be like, oh, I don't study. They read something once and they just know it. But I like I was just, I could not study. I would just try and do it and then I'd always get distracted and you'd have to go off, watch TV, make a sandwich, and then all of a sudden it's bedtime again. Right. You know, and my wife's the same. She struggles through school is really difficult for her. She has ADHD and um, just couldn't concentrate on that, you know, couldn't and the system wasn't there for her, you know. And it's it's tough because some people yeah. don't recover from that. Like, no, right? and it leaves you with rejection sensitive dysphoria, which is really like you get told your whole life from when you were a little kid, if only you tried, or, oh, yeah. you got yeah. it wrong, like, God, you can't remember anything. You end up with this uh, self-identity of yeah. shitfulness, and then as an adult you carry that with you, and it's really hard yeah. uh, for, for that. Uh, but, you know, yeah. we're learning more and more about that, which is great, and every day brings more education around well, that. We, uh, we interviewed a, a lady called Jenna Holmes, who's also called uh, Plant Mama and Pasta Mama, and she has ADHD. And she was saying that she has both types. We we learned about that last night, last week as a topic in terms of there's the hyper. There's a hunter and a farmer. Yeah. So there's like the hyperactivity one, and then the one that's actually just can't concentrate. And if you have both, that's kind of the most severe. And she has both. Wow. So she flips between. So you can imagine her. She was like me trying to go through a system. And she's a teacher. She's a school teacher for like PDHP, uh, and she said. She just felt like a robot. Yeah. Structure, structure, structure. Class, class, lunch, class, class, whatever. Yeah. And she's just felt trapped, and then she came out with that. And now she does all this creative stuff with plants and pasta and blah blah blah. Yeah, and now she is thriving, she entrepreneurial. All yeah. over the place. Well, it's it's a big part of you know, just knowing what's going on with your head and understanding mm. what's going on is a big part of any problem. You know, I, I we were saying before we started recording that I've you know I've had a hip replacement twelve months ago, and learning the anatomy of my hip, learning the where the pain is coming from. Oh, that's my sartorius that's hurting today. Oh, that's my psoas that's hurting today. Oh, that's my RTB that's hurting today. Just knowing what it is yeah. can help me deal with, oh, it's okay, it's just that. Mm. Rather than there's this oh, giant nebulous ache that is stopping yeah. me from getting down on the floor and playing with my kids, right? Um, just having the knowledge can go a long way to understanding, oh, that's all it is, it's just that today. And that really helps. Understanding your own brain is, is really important. And it also helps to understand people around you. You know, and that, that helps your personal relationships and everything. I feel like what you just said there could be totally applied to mental health as well. Like we've spoken yeah. this all the time. If you're aware about your mental health and if people around you are aware of mental health, already you're in a better place. And often you're like if you have a condition, it manifests to someone let's say who doesn't know a different way, oh Neil's moody or Neil does this he's a bit short tempered. Well actually no it's not. It's just because I'm battling this thing inside, which shows to you a certain picture of me if you don't know who I am. So we've like how many times have we touched on that? Yeah, yeah. Just the awareness in your immediate circle, yeah. work, which is definitely getting better. People are getting better at it, but we still have a lot. We're also discussing it with people again. Yeah. If, if my partner doesn't know I've got something, I don't even know I've got it. Then yeah. conversation can never take place. You have to be open about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a difficult. I understand the obstacles, but it, talking about it again. That's why we've got you on because you are so open about things. Yeah, well, and and it's like you would 
I, I don't know, you get a new washing machine, you read them hopefully. You plug it in, <laughs> and you make it work, and then you're like, maybe it can do something else. And you actually, you, know, you read yeah. the manual, and you go, oh, this? Yeah. <laughs> it actually can't, it can't do this thing I want it to do. Oh, okay, I better just like let it do the draining cycle before I make it do the other thing. Yeah. Like, understanding how your brain works, and understanding the systems in your brain, it's, it's a little wordy, because the names are all very, very medical, and very Latin, and hard to understand, but understanding how your default mode network works and understand how your task activation network works, understanding how your amygdala works and what's an amygdala response um, versus what's a non-amygdala response, understanding um, like when you, like say for example, something happens or a thought crosses your mind or someone says something and suddenly you are, you feel hot, you feel your throat pulsing with your heartbeat, your throat's constricted, um, you know, your, your tunnel vision, you know, your hands start to shake a bit. That might be really scary, but if you go, oh, I'm just, okay, my body thinks it's under threat. Oh, this is just what's going on. This is my parasympathetic, my parasympathetic nervous system um, deciding that I need to get ready for, for action. But let me challenge that for a second. No, everything's safe, everything's fine. Okay, I know that these hormones that just flooded my body, this adrenaline, this cortisol, probably take about 20 minutes to dissipate. I can do some breathing right now to help me downregulate. It's going to be okay. Like, if you know that stuff, if you know what's going on, yeah. It's it's like knowing what turbulence is on a plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't panic, guys. It's just yeah. just perhaps. Yeah, it's just like it's fine. It's just my body doing this thing. It's okay, and yeah. it's just education. It's understanding your own body and understanding how your brain works. And there's a, there's always heaps of books about it. I would recommend Rewire Your Anxious Brain, which is a really really good one. Um, that really it is very helpful. And the other one I would recommend would be um, Emotional Agility by Susan David, which is a yeah. fantastic read. Um, around that and just that the, her simple one liner is brilliant it's uncomfortable feelings are the price of admission to a meaningful life wow. that's true yep. it is absolutely yeah. true you can't have happiness without sadness you can't have joy without disappointment you can't have love without heartbreak it is, it is what yeah. the world is you can't have day without night you know you, you can't have flood without drought it's, yeah. that's what it is and accepting that that is what life is and understanding that none of it lasts forever is a huge, huge part of getting out of these loops. Because when you get stuck in these things, anxiety or depression, which can be kind of appear the same thing sometimes, it shows up as that it's permanent, it's personal, and it's global. That's your brain's way of trying to protect you from harm, all right? This thing, this threat, is always gonna be there. This thing, this threat, is just at me. Yeah, just and, at me. I've and this that, thing, yeah. this threat, is gonna affect every single thing around me. Mm. And once you identify those things, you go, aha, but that is that really true? Mm. Trying to challenge it. Now, bear in mind, I've been quite sick in my life at some point, and um, I needed medication, because I wasn't able to challenge those thoughts. I wasn't able to use the rational part of my brain to yeah, challenge those thoughts. It wasn't powerful enough. I needed the superpower. Of that the meds gave me to challenge those thoughts, right. and um, I'm, you know, I'm on way less meds now. I'm yeah. still on meds, and yeah. it's great because it gives me the ability to challenge those thoughts yeah. and go, oh, okay, that's just that. No, no one here at the table actually hates me. These guys are fine if I keep talking. This is going to be okay. You're so I'm, keep, I'm all right, yeah. you know. But if if I didn't have those on board, or if I hadn't learned how to do that, I could have believed it was real. Mm. Okay. Um, and that's how you know. Uh, yeah. it, it, it just talk, sorry, just talking mainly to the idea of if you know these things, if you know how anxiety and depression work, it really helps you under you know manage it, I yeah. guess, and also see it in others. Yeah, that's so true. Panic attacks is one thing I suffer with, and only recently through work with this amazing psychologist, which I'm not really there saying at the moment, but sometime in the future. But she talked about I had a bit of an episode with her, 
And I just thought panic attack was a panic attack. There was just one classification of it. But she was like, no, you're actually going like inwards. And I just thought there was just one panic attack. So when I was going inwards, she gave me very specific uh, activities, which was to link my somatic, which is your body response, mm -hmm. with your mind. Yeah. So I was like tensing my leg, you know, holding onto the chair like this, breathing in and then letting, releasing on the yeah, exhale. Yeah. yeah, and then the other thing was, which we've heard through Mary Huang, who was on the show before, where you can spot, you know, spot things like oh, that name, five things you can hear, five things you can mm -hmm. see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then she challenged me more. She goes, "I want you to pick five things which are, which are red and describe them to me," which was like a whole other level of. So I was like, "Okay, there's a red flower over there." She was like, "Oh, what type of flower is?" I was like, "Oh, I'm not really quite sure." And then before I even knew, I was like, "I'm back. Like I was fine." <laughs> and then I was like, "Well, my other method, my other strategy was splashing water in my face." And she said, "Oh, that's when you're in the other end. If you're in the fight or flight mode, panic attack." Water, cold water is good for So my mind was blown. Right, the tactics now, tactics strategies. for specific ones that I'm in. And when I, she goes, you just need to realize you're going inward, as in yeah. you're not moving, you're not speaking. Now I'm aware of that, and now I can switch those things on. Which you, is like, yeah, you've got an infant child at home, and you will know you can turn on your child's relaxation reflex mm. with a combination of things. You can you swaddle them nice yep. and tight so they feel like they're in the womb. Yeah. You rock them so they feel like they're being walked. Uh, like inside the womb, yeah. uh, give them the edge of your little finger just to yeah, suckle on. Yeah. All right, and and and, just, and, and a bit of the shush noise, yeah. which replicates the sound of the blood yeah. going through the womb. And you can turn a whale into yeah. a sleep within thirty yeah. seconds. You just simply—it's like hypnotizing a chicken. Like yeah. you do those. It really is. You yes. do those five things in a row, and like you're like this fucking magician, <laughs> and your partner looks at you like, and you're like, easy. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I'll do it every time, kid. But there's, that's you know. Yeah. There's an app on Spotify which is a shush. It goes. It's someone going. Shh, shh. Ah, I felt that. It's really annoying as a human because like you're just like, <laughs> oh, oh god, this noise is going. But for the baby, it just they switch off. Like yeah. it's unreal. Yeah, because that's what their whole life has been completely confined, yeah. moving the whole time, and this yeah. of the blood yeah. coursing awesome, through. Yeah. Suddenly, they're able to move their arms and legs. There's no confinement. It's yeah. fucking frightful. It takes time. Um, so yeah, you're, we are able to turn on our relaxation reflexes yeah. and down regulate ourselves, and you're learning how to do that, which is think, great. Next time I'm in a bit of an episode, I'm just going to hold you guys. <laughs> Have you seen uh, the film Temple Grandin? No, I haven't had that. Oh, she's an extraordinary person. She's on the she's on the autism spectrum. Yeah. And she's like, I don't eat meat. That's fine. What you put in your mouth is your business. But she's single-handedly responsible for the just colossal, uh, you know, uptick in the humane treatment of cattle in the uh, uh, in, in the meat US. industry. Um, and she's incredible in, in that how she's keeping the cattle calm on their way to slaughter because she was noticing. Yeah. That, Cows fucking know they're about to die. Yeah, so that's 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 yeah, it scares me that. I know, imagine the they stress. Do. I don't they fucking know. I don't that's why you never see footage of because it, it's horrible to watch. Horrible, but cows yeah. know they're gonna die. Yeah. Um, and but she designed this system so they never actually see what's happening. She's very very clever. But she also designed the the the, the, the cattle crush that you see when like when they're branding them. They, there's a thing that comes in either side that holds this thousand oh, kilogram animal right. still. Run out when she was having a, a, a hard time. She would run out. And she'd pull the lever and put herself inside the and just that feeling of being compressed just totally oh, really? downregulated her. So she designed this thing that she built for herself and she would lie in it and she would pull it towards and it would give her this feeling of complete compression and it helped downregulate her oh, wow. emotions. Wow. Yeah. What was on there? Uh, Temple Grandin is her Temple name. Oh, yeah, okay. she's fascinating. fascinating. Um, uh, Claire Danes played her in the film. Oh, oh okay. very yeah. clever, very clever movie.
That's that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's, that's every episode, learning new things. You know, we're, we're recording this at the Kudji Pavilion in, in the eastern suburbs of Good Sydney. Plug. Right, there would be, you know, every security guard out the front, and I've worked with guys like this, he's worked with guys like this. Yeah. They're massive, but they never use their arms or legs. They never no. hit anyone. Yeah. They just go, come here, mate. And they just put a bit of pressure on the edge of your elbow, and they know exactly the nerve to hit. And they go down like a sack of spuds. Yeah. So it's, we've got these secret... Mm. triggers all over our bodies that give our brains reactions yeah. to things it's just learning what they are and then it gives you just another tool it's like acupuncture you, you go into acupuncture with a sore ankle and they do your wrist <laughs> and I was like how was that and then you're like oh I actually feel good uh, it happens all the time I'm, uh, I'm an S&C coach but, uh, so when um, it's a bad shoulder I'm like how's your, how's your chest here and they're like chest okay, is fine. fine and then like 30 seconds later like Oh, yeah. oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I think my wizard. I'm like, not a wizard. It's just muscles. You're alright. Yeah, but no. then, you know how it works. It. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not. It's not hard. But then we were talking about trauma a few episodes ago with Dara Byrne and intergenerational trauma. Oh yeah. And then where you, because you, you, isn't it? You, you hold trauma at a cellular level. That's right. Aye. Yeah, yeah. Centuries. That's, that's that's one thing we actually put down in terms of from your childhood perspective. Do you think that put up put a big role in? What transpired? Uh, uh, I've spoken to doctors about this because yeah. I didn't want to throw my folks under the bus because I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, yeah. uh, I had an idea of what was going on. But at one point in their lives, both of my parents had their uh, their ability to safely live in their country taken away from them by men with guns. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. So my mom was a refugee for about three years. She came here. Uh, uh, Lithuania? Uh, from Lithuania. They yeah. fled with the retreating Russian army, the retreating German army. And we all know how fucking fuck the Nazis were. <laughs> yeah. Imagine, like, well, who are we going to go with? Let's go with those guys. We know what those guys did last time they were here. Like, how fucking bad yeah. are the Russians going to be that you uh, leave yeah. with the Nazis? Oh, All right, so they, she was on the she was on the road for months and months, and then they ended up in, in Germany, and they, then they got on a boat forever, and they ended up in Australia, and wildly, as an aside, when they got here, I've seen the document that she got here with, they, it was her name, and someone in pencil had written DP. They called them displaced persons. Right. They weren't refugees, they were persons who had yeah. been displaced. They were humanized by their very label, yeah. and how they were treated was similar. Equally, yeah. Equally yeah, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. It's only in the last 20 years or 30 years that, as Australians, we are they are refugees, and then right. in the last 20 years, they are illegals. <laughs> like, no, they're fucking people. Oh, people are horror and genocide and war and beheading and yeah. people being set on fire in the street. They're just fucking people, for goodness yeah. sake. Anyway. Awesome. I was down at Addy Roads packing Christmas hampers for the, you know, people who are struggling yeah. this uh, season. No, done not uh, No, well, I, I wasn't trying to everything. There's lots of second on the No, but there was a guy, Craig Foster was down there. He was like an unbelievable activist. And then we, we were actually trying to get him on the show as well. But there was a guy called Moz, who was from Syria. I, I don't know his age, he was probably 30. He spent eight years in, car in incarceration. He, three years into his journey, he got granted like a refugee thing, but then he still stayed incarcerated for five more years. For eight years of his life, he was in Manus Island. Fuck, man. And he was an unbelievable guy, and he spoke so eloquently, and he was like, he didn't, he didn't speak like he had a chip on his shoulder and like that. He was like, I'm just so grateful to be here, and blah, 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 and he was real thankful. But he spent eight years of his life sitting in a fucking cell with no light, apparently. And uh, only because he spoke up and he kind of pushed back that his case got heard by Craig Foster. He then, you know, pushed it and then he got out. 
you know, and it was just frightening. And then there was an Afghanistani lady there, she was probably in her 40s, she was saying there's 15 or 20 women that are trying to get out of Afghanistan at the moment because because the Taliban has won the war, the soldiers are going around knocking on doors looking for women as a reward. So if there's any women in sight, you're either going to get raped, married, or killed. They're the only three options that you have. So I was there sitting there almost being like white privilege going like, I came on a plane, I had money, so it was all right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, it's yeah. a different boss. It's hard to empathize with that. I can tell you, like, my dad as well, when he was 24, uh, different Russians, but still Russians, they, they came, they rolled the tanks down the main streets of Prague, and everyone was looking at him going, you've got to get the fuck out, because this is about to shut right down. It was like, the 30 years of lockdown showed up, basically. <laughs> 25 years of lockdown. And, um, and so he got out. He left in the middle of the night with nothing. Like, all his friends, family, everyone had got out. And so... The idea that people with weapons, ideologically driven people with weapons, can come and take everything away from you was a thing that my parents had right, when they were when they were younger. And then when they lived with that kind of completely justified jumpiness, for because it was real, yeah. absolutely real, their whole lives. And so when I got told by my doctors that when when we get born, it's about fifty percent of what. You know, is, is how we are, and 50% comes from what happens to us. Environment, yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, I, I have similar facial features of a combo of my mum and dad. It's futile to expect that my brain structure and the, the neural pathways yeah. will be different, right? But that's just how, how yeah. it is. And yes, it does alter your DNA. It's bonkers. And so, we need, as a country, understand and recognize that, you know, when, you know, we, 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 we see, for example, you know, in, in Melbourne, there's a lot of news outlets making a fuck ton of money spreading fear about um, you know groups of teenage kids who aren't white um, yes. try to have some fucking empathy about yeah. where their parents came from or what they might have been yeah, through yeah, yeah. or what these kids might have been through themselves and understand that what you know those actions are the actions of someone who's looking for stability looking yeah, for control yeah. looking for help and willing to fight for it which uh, is you know, as, a, as a boy I train he's like 14, 15 a bit of a like in terms of he's always in a lot of trouble. Like, what did you got today? Oh, I got any trouble at school today. The teacher said yeah. this, blah blah. And obviously, these young teenagers feel like, mm. what you like, mate? Trying to stay out of trouble, blah blah. Months went on, months went on, months went on. And then eventually, one day, I said to him, "How how, how are you enjoying the how are you enjoying the sessions and stuff?" And he's like, "Oh, it was just I really enjoyed last week when you said you were, you were proud of me doing that chin up." Like, wow. I was like, "Hell, yeah, man!" But then, as a dog deep and found, like, nobody's ever told as simple as him as oh, I'm proud of you. Wow. And for him, that was like, since that moment, it just felt like it, that was his place, that was a safe place where he came to that session. It was like, oh, I was here in trouble because nobody, nobody cares about me. Nobody cares, yeah. But until, you, until I knew that, like, it just changed everything the way I looked at it. I thought, all he needs is a bit of, mate, yeah, you're, well you're done, buddy. Had on the back. Quality. And that's that, without knowing that, so he's in school getting in trouble all the time. Teachers just think, oh, he's a troublemaker. Yeah. But you don't even know, you don't even know his background, you have no idea his family life, what mum and yeah. dad are like. It's, it's it is a, a, a colossal issue as far as education goes, and you know again, school teachers like thirty two other kids like that. Yeah, yeah. haven't got time. No, of course, yeah, I get that. That's not easy to do that with all. Of them. I don't think it's a teacher a teacher issue. It's a bigger issue than one yeah, single the, teacher. The it's, a, it's a massive, massive. Issue. And what about like you know? It's, well, let's say sticking with childhood around. You know, we know you've spoken about food and how that was like in school and bullying and PTSD. And a lot of people think PTSD is like to do with come back to Vietnam. Right. But it's not. It can be linked back to some of the most trivial things sometimes in your could past. Could be life. anything. Could be a car crash. Could be, yeah. uh, you know, 
horribly abusive relationship that you've been in. It could be, it yeah. could be anything. Do you think that has played a factor in your role as well? Have you oh had yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. I, I got, I was very lucky to get diagnosed because yeah. I, I just couldn't understand what was going wrong. Right. Yeah. We were in New York on September 11. We were fine, physically fine. Mm. I co- we all coughed up black stuff for about six weeks. It was pretty. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. It was so you were right. You were right in the thick of it. Yeah. Wow, we were. A few blocks. No, not that close. We probably, I don't know, maybe two or three k's away, maybe yeah. even more. But the whole place smelt like, you know, a bin fire. Yeah. Slash, yeah, barbecue for a long, a long yeah. time. It was horrible. It was awful. And yeah, it was terrifying, you know, because you could feel the tectonic plates of the, of, of the world's geopolitics shifting. And did, did you feel it? You probably felt something in the moment, but did it, do you think that came up then later in life, or it triggered, or and if you went back to there, or? Oh, I don't know, man. Like that's yeah. something for the you, you to have a chat with my team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a doctor. I'm only here because I have a fucking team. <laughs> I have a team of people. No, the, reason, the reason why I asked that because like I had an incident about four or five years ago, corporate life, and at the time I didn't realise what was going on, but right. I think it actually triggered a peer. PTSD of bullying in me when I was in the schoolyard right. and it fucking rocked me so badly and I ended up going down this path of agoraphobia and yeah. did this start triggering kind of these things and I, it just knocked me back to being a kid again yeah it'll do that and I was like yeah. a middle-aged man and like yeah. that I was zapped back to this well thankfully as a middle-aged man you're able to go oh hang on this is no way to be I can probably go and talk to someone and unpack this you know, you yeah. wouldn't. Three, three years of psychology, <laughs> Valiums, beta blockers, Mate, that's what I was I have, <laughs> I have fucking paid for the Italian ski many yeah. mental health professionals and yeah. their children, yeah. but I'm able to sit here with you today. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, no. I'm grateful that I have the ability to, you know, see these doctors and we yeah. live in a part of the city where, or part of the country where the yeah. doctors are available. But yeah, well, but you got to do it. It's like, say, if this thing happened to you and you didn't do anything about it, that would be like getting in a car with your family and driving to, let's say, you're going to drive to Melbourne for holidays, right? And something goes on, you're like, oh, the front wheel's just gone flat. Let's and keep going, driving. It's like, should be right. Like, no, you're going to fucking pull over. You're not going to do seven hours of driving at 100Ks an hour. You know, no, this thing is fucking my life. I need to sort this out now. But thankfully, you can take it to a mechanic. The mechanic can explain what's going on. You can process it and go, oh, that's what that is. Okay, all right, so now I know. Don't drive over road spikes. Okay. Yeah, I, remember, right. I read uh, another analogy used in all interview about a mole. If you had a mole and it was a cancerous mole, you wouldn't just be like, I'll just leave that for a year and just see what yeah. happens. You'll be, be fucked. So yeah, it's yeah, like, it's like quotes, go and get yeah. it fixed. Go and get it checked. But for some reason, yeah. when it comes to mental health, it's like, I don't feel right. I'm thinking these ways. Ah, fuck it. I'll be fine. Yeah. It's like, what? You're not going to be fine. You need uh, to get it. I think that's it. The, the biggest thing, I think, the biggest thing about mental health and mental illness. The biggest thing that people don't realize about mental health is that it is a progressive illness and it will get worse if you don't do not treat it. Having a couple of years to try and sort it out, it might work for a while, but I'm here to tell you it is not a solution. I had to, I got to the point where the amount of alcohol that I needed to drink because alcohol, I mean, it's, we're sitting in a bar, right? Right behind me, there is a socially acceptable, widely available uh, depressant yeah. that is sold openly and uh, can, you know, in, irrevocably tied to ritual and ceremony around 
breeding and gathering and family, etc. So it's com completely fine to use this drug. Mm. All right. Good, yeah. like that's like that's, that's liquid Valium yeah. right there. It's yeah. essentially it's the same fucking thing, right? But um, we allow it to be sold openly, and it, we, it's a self-administered dose. Off you go. Yeah. Drink as much as you want. But I can go down to the bottle shop downstairs and buy enough vodka to kill me. Yeah. All right. We, you can buy. People worry about why is there pill testing at festivals? Fuck off. I can walk into a bottle shop and buy enough alcohol to yeah, overdose yeah, and yeah, die. Yeah, yeah. But no one gives a fuck. Yeah. All right. It's an extraordinarily powerful drug. And you know, we are just kind of to everybody to just. Oh no. no and you think that oh, a couple of beers or a few wines that'll sort me out, sort it down. But because it's a progressive illness, mental illness, because it is progressively and it gets worse and worse and worse. You've got to notice, like eventually, you know. You, Jimmy, you know, I won't say that the delivery, the delivery service brings just one bottle and the oh, delivery yeah. service brings two bottles or they start yeah. with just one six pack and now they bring two and now yeah. you're just getting a case and instead of getting a case once a week, you're getting yeah. a case every four days. Yeah. And then before you know it, you're in a you cycle. are ops are fucking daisy. Yeah. I didn't, th I thought I was too smart for this mm. and that's what happened to me, man. I, I thought I was way too clever and it would never happen and then suddenly I'm like, I'm drinking beer at 11 in the morning on yeah. a fucking Wednesday. Yeah. The fuck is, this is not good. And it was like an aha moment for you when that you Well, it just, it had been years of just the same thing was happening every day, oh, basically. Okay. Nothing, like no day was different from the last. And every day would end up the same. You know, yeah. the drinking would get earlier, maybe by a minute or two every or whatever, but eventually it got to 11 in the morning. And no matter what happened, no matter how I tried to behave, no matter what different things I did, oh, last time I was a complete fuckwit and you know, vomited on myself yeah. and called names to a stranger and had to get some people try to pull me out of a fight. It's because I started with shots of tequila and ended with beer. This time, I'll start with beer and end with tequila. <laughs> That's a problem solve solved. the problem. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, well, John, my, a friend of mine recently told me she's a heroin addict. She's a recovered heroin addict. She said the worst drug she ever had was alcohol. Oh, what? She said it was worse than heroin. When you take it, you can go, go cold turkey. You know, with alcohol, it's so much harder to get rid of it, you know, just out of your routine. I was blown away by that. I was like, wow. Yeah. It's a gate. She said, I suppose, as I said, it's so accessible. Yeah. It's just a case yeah. of, I'll have another one. You can't yeah. just go to the local dog I'll have another bag. Yeah, if you find <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And that's, it's, it's hard, but you know, I am adjacent to a sobriety fellowship who count days and take steps there's more than 11 there's less than 13 yeah. I'm not supposed to talk about it but yeah. you can figure it out <laughs> anyway um, step one of those steps I've heard is uh, accept accept that it's a problem yeah. Yeah. accept that it's a problem yeah. accept that oh, I thought I'd go and meet Neil and Gas for a couple you know just a, a beer or two mm. shit it's fucking 8.30 and I'm texting yeah. someone about bags and I'm you know, fucking this many cocktails deep, and I've already cancelled my meetings. No, you know, no, or whatever. No. I was going to meet someone for a picnic tomorrow, or whatever. Yeah. I've already fucking planned not to do that just so I can stay here. Be honest. Be yeah. honest about how often that happens. Be honest about is this what I plan to do today? No, it's not what I plan to do today. And eventually, that was happening for me. Just every day, just started to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And I just understood that. You know, basically, I have an allergy to alcohol. If I drink, I break out and fuck with. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. You know. And I started to. And what you what you put it like? Did you just wake up one day and just had as guys said aha moments and like, what did you get lucky? Did someone pull you out? Of I it? got real like people have been telling me since my early twenties. You really gotta fucking keep an eye on this man because you're yeah like, yeah you're tipping over. Why are you going way too hard than anybody yeah. else? Oh, I don't have a fucking problem. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah, uh, I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, 
it, it was no the last night was no bigger or smaller than any of the last it was night. a cumulative it yeah, was just yeah. like an, another fucking night when I, I just realised that oh fuck this happens every time I don't have a choice whether this happens or not every time no matter what I do no matter how I, different I try to behave by the end of the night uh someone's upset at me someone's angry someone's crying mm. I've broken something or something's been broken I won't remember fucking things so I won't learning lessons mm. and I can't stop doing it no matter how much I want to stop doing it I actually can't stop doing it it's like if a mosquito bit you right now and I said don't hit you <laughs> just on anime you'd be like, <laughs> yeah. you like I can't I can't everything yeah. you, you would be consumed like everything around you would stop mattering until uh, you itch that bite right it's the same you know you like everything stops mattering and you've seen mates do this mm. you see mates just once they get the you know it's no. like when you watch a horse and they go oh open field and then yeah. ears go back you know <laughs> one, more, like, one more one more yeah, one, one, one more yeah, and then, you know someone's you know texting yeah. someone and, and, and you know there's a you know black BMW tinted windows coming up outside and you know they're like the froth in the yeah. corners of their mouth. It's like, not going to end well for anybody. But it's hard to draw a line in the sand, right? And then you went on the whole advocacy route. Like, I mean, that must have been a huge paradigm shift here. Well, I just tried to give. I just wanted to give people what was given to me. So when I first got, I knew I couldn't keep drinking because mm. drinking eventually, even though I'd stopped drinking, eventually the ways I'd been thinking, the decisions I'd been making, how I'd been treating people, it all accumulated in me. Just, uh, you know. Ended up divorced, you know, lost a house, financial fuck, you know, everything, career, everything, and I couldn't believe that it'd ever get better. I couldn't believe that there was a way to live without drinking. And it was other people talking to me, going, "I've been where you are," and it's now what six, eight years later they were saying to me, "Because I'm married again, I've got kids, my career's amazing." I couldn't. They were may as well be telling me a fucking fairy story. I'm like, you are talking about you know, big bad wolf riding roller coasters to Never Never Land. This is complete bullshit. But they were standing in front of me and I just had to believe that what they were telling me was true because I could, it would be like, you, I, we're sitting on the top floor of this pub, if, if I blindfolded you and brought you up here and I said, okay now describe to me what colour my motorbike is. And you describe to me the colours of the cars outside. You know they're out there, but you can't actually yeah. picture, you know it can happen, but you can't picture what it could be. I just had to trust that if I did what these people told me, that it would end up that way. I did, and it did. And so all I'm trying to do is give to people, because I, I really, I got was lucky, I got sober in America, right, where sobriety was like, actually, good on you, because right. you can see the shit was going down. Yeah. Uh, it's different here now. Yeah, the Betty Ford Clinic it's kind of vibe. It's different yeah. here now, but at the time in Australia, it was like, we're fucking quitter. What's wrong with you? Have a beer, go ahead. Uh, one's fine. <laughs> uh, that is play by channel. Yeah. yeah, so I was lucky, but you know, I'm just trying to give show and the same with the mental health thing the only way I could ever believe that it wouldn't feel horrible every single day and I wouldn't be dealing with suicidal ideation every day was talking to other people who had been through what I'd been through and had done the work taken the meds listened to their doctors and they were telling me like no 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 no, I know what it's like and if you do the work and if you do what your doctors tell you and keep taking the medication it, it can be different better. and so I'm just trying to give to people what was given to me and someone was I won't say his name, but he's quite a high-profile person in this space. He heard me speak at a private function, and uh, he just kind of pulled me aside and says, "You've got no business not telling this story. You have to tell. You have to tell. Yeah. Oh, you've got to tell people." Yeah. I was too reluctant, 
uh, he needed to nudge me. But you know, that was the, when we, we were trying to keep it under wraps that we were going to have you on the show, but to close family, when we mentioned yourself, not that we were, well, we were probably surprised, but in, in a way, everyone said, oh, yeah, he's doing so much great stuff for mental health advocacy. That's what you... Uh, well, I was saying, oh, he's TV host. It was yeah. like, oh, he's a big mental health guy. Big mental. Yeah. And I was like, it was like, yeah. cool for us to like, that's why we're interviewing, really, because yeah. Yeah, it's inspiring. To be I guess it's also to show that. Although we do want to bash it, I guess. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> I think the big, you know, people think about what, you know, what's, what's complex mental illness look like? What does an episode of psychosis look like? What does someone, you know, living with obsessive compulsive disorder look like? Mm. Does it look like someone sitting in their park across the street shouting at strangers, drinking out of a brown bag? No, it looks like me in a nice suit counting roses. Yeah. And people need to understand that. You know, you have no idea who's going through what around you, and you have no idea how much of an incredible life you can have once you take your treatment seriously and you just do what your fucking doctors tell you. Well, and that's what people need to understand. On that note, you know, we've listed some of the things that you've tackled in your life, like social anxiety disorder, alcoholism, suicidal thoughts, depression, body dysmorphia. Oh, fucking fun guy, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> 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 mental health bingo, like, Congratulations, you've just won a golden ticket. I think there's a meat tray coming my way. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, we're not we're not done yet. We have uh, agoraphobia uh, and OCD as well. Yeah. But some of those we touched on in previous episodes, but there was a few, that, or there was two that we wanted to touch on, which were yeah. psychosis and agoraphobia. Yeah. Did you, I'll start with agoraphobia because that was the thing that showed up first. It's this idea that um, it's basically a self protection mechanism. You know, it's like it's it's an avoidance behaviour. It's uh, it, it feels horrible to be outside, so I'll just not go outside. Uh, feel now the second day goes by, you're like, oh, I didn't go outside yesterday. I should probably go outside, but oh fuck, now I feel kind of ashamed that I didn't go outside. Now I feel worse about going outside. So stay <laughs> oh wow, just stacks. And then day three comes, like, oh fuck, I should I need some yeah. food. Uh, this, <laughs> this is before, <laughs> this is before <laughs> Deliveroo and, and, and home delivery for groceries, man. Yeah, right? yeah. So I was like, oh fucking did I? <laughs> day three goes well I could probably get by I've got some shit in tins I should be okay and then day four eventually like okay I'll put my cow, I'll put my trucker hat on yeah. pull it down as low as I possibly can and know exactly where I need to go I yeah. walk across you know down the street I was living in Bondi at the time I walk down to the IGA I get this bang bang I know the aisle I know where it is bang 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 and I, you know, I won't yeah. say anything to anybody didn't verbalise yeah. didn't make eye contact with anybody and boom I was home again in 22 minutes yeah. <laughs> What if, what if you bumped into someone, would that go, oh fuck? If someone's like, hey, I'm sure, you'd be like, fuck. Oh, it was. Or would that be I was okay? like, ah, man, good to see you. I've got a thing. I've got a ton of bins to hold. Yeah, I've got a thing. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's, like it is, it's counterintuitive to understand this, but any avoidance behavior, whether it's avoiding a trigger or avoiding um, you know, something that brings an uncomfortable feeling in your body, Anytime you avoid it, you're making it worse. Yeah. It feels like it's the right thing to do, but it actually just exacerbates the problem, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. The more you yeah. avoid it, the more horrible the feeling is in your body, and it becomes insurmountable eventually. You know, that's why I've tended to try and avoid medication, because I, because when I was taking Valium and Beta blockers, they're helping. But then I was like, fuck, I'm gonna need it. It started being like once every month, and then it was once every week, and then it was once every fucking team meeting I was having, I was popping them. And then I was like, fuck, when's this gonna end? Like, you know? Yeah. 
had an old school doctor. It's pretty old school that shit. <laughs> yeah. Like giving giving Valium as a patient control. Yeah. I don't know anything about prescribing medication, but I'm, as someone who has abused Valium in the past, like yeah. I'm like, and do you have your prescriptions? Uh, doctor's, <laughs> doctor's name there. Sounds like a good guy. Like it's still there. You know, there's a black BMW with tinted windows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when yeah. I when I um, when I first had the hip replacement, they just went. And they slided, they slid some, uh, it's pandadol, which is synthetic. Um, I, I had to tell them that my, you know, obviously the, the history with addiction and yeah. stuff like that, my, my abuse of drugs like that. And I, I had to um, say that. So they gave me this, it's basically synthetic opium, synthetic gum, oh. morphine. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. And so I, I took one uh, of these pills for my hip pain right after my surgery, after I had my this, I've German metal in my body. It's amazing, right? And it kicked in about 20 minutes later. And the next time I went to take it, I, I was starting to already go, I know how good this is going to be. And I opened the box and I was like, I know my brain already knew what it was going to tell my doctor to get another box. And I told my wife, I knew to tell Audrey. I tell Audrey straight away. I was like, just so you know, this has shown up again. Yeah. And I was on a fucking Zoom meeting, uh, not a work meeting, a meeting well, of uh, yeah. fellowship people. Yeah. Uh, like that hour. But I'm, it's yeah, still it's there, off. man. It's still wow. a part of, and when your resilience is down, that can kind of, those buckets can get quite loud. So it's still there, it's still a part of well, my, we my, my, my that point. With the agoraphobia, did you have a strategy to combat that? Or? Alcohol, just Alcohol. fucking, I would get munted yeah. before I left the house. <laughs> I would, well, I'd at least, I'd at least have a, a like a four layer thick beer blanket. Is that just like Dutch cottage just to get you? Just, out of just a beer blanket, yeah, four or five. And would you before I left, and then I just because bear in mind this was at a time when that like television is never going to do this again. But this was a time when I was on a TV show that was getting two million people watching every yeah, week, right? Yeah. And so I would walk outside and go see my friends or whatever, and people would be grabbing my arms and grabbing me oh, and grabbing my hair, trying to pull my hair off because I thought it was a wig and oh, really? you know people you know, and, and guys that would see their girlfriends look at me and then they'd come over and ch- I've never been in a fight in my life because I'm That's fucking it. good at not getting in fights mm-hmm. but guys would just come over and like you're going to hold an empty glass now yeah. alright and you're holding your pint or whatever yeah. you're talking to him and then we go ah oh, fuck yeah. And look at me like that. Like the beers come all over there, and they're like, <laughs> and I could see them. What are you gonna do, mate? I could see that. But the thing is, I could see this 2005, so they were still shit. But still, I see their mate over there filming on a fucking oh, shitty Nokia. Fuck oh, Nokia. Shit, waiting for a reaction. And man. I'm like, oh my god. And eventually, I was like, and so that's what, yeah. So that's what I would I would deal with every time I went out. Fuck and yeah. so it was wild because I had this. Uh, distorted mental picture that everyone was staring at me but everyone was kind of staring at me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that it was, was really weird, weird man. it was really weird uh, was it like when you were filming the show was that going through your mind where like there's a camera on you're like fuck the no man people. that's the wildest part about all of this is that when I'm online Switch off. television it's you're like fine. it's absolute serenity it's flow state that's classic. Classic. oh wow well what's, what's anxiety it's lack of control what am I more in control uh, when yeah. I'm talking down the barrel of a live television camera to <laughs> 2 million people I know exactly what's going to happen next yeah. I say what happens next I, I'm in fucking charge then it's yeah. It's like if you talk to yeah. Kelly Slater and you say, you know, tell me how it felt to do that cut back at Cho- uh, that cut back at Chopu when it was twelve foot and looked like a fucking subway tunnel, yeah. and his eyes will take him to that moment. It might have taken him half a second, but he'll be like, oh man, that moment, like it's yeah. that long. Yeah. But he's like, that's yeah. the, that's the fucking source thing. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, any avoidance behaviour, and, and since yeah. I knew 
I learned then, I, I, I had a great amount of success with acceptance commitment therapy, which was kind of the last kind of one left before you, I had to get back on antipsychotics because I was going back down that road. It was bad. So the thing that acceptance commitment therapy teaches you is you, you just just be with the discomfort and it's counterintuitive, but if you can allow it in, hold yourself to be with discomfort, not forever, just for like yeah. a minute at a time and then you work up to a minute and 10 seconds and a minute and 20, whatever, over time you'll get resilient. As a strength and conditioning coach, the, uh, the analogy I would use is your brain's just your brain responds to time under tension. Yeah. You, the, there is yes. an adaptive process, just as muscle growth. You mm. know, if you have the right time under tension, the right amount of force, and the right metabolic state, um, your I believe it's like six by ten with two minute rests. Uh, <laughs> that's the, the maximal hypertrophy and, 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 and hormone response. Your body will adapt and heal those micro traumas and the micro tears and the muscles and you'll get fucking swole um, if you eat enough protein. Um, similarly, the brain will also adapt. Yeah. You, if you expose yourself to the discomfort for a measured amount of time, increasingly slowly, you will adapt. And that has, that has brought me enormous freedom. But I needed to get on meds to make that work yeah. because there was a time when my, it, my rational brain, the rational part of my brain wasn't working and I could not rationalize it's wild we have these brains that are essentially two separate things you know there's this lizard kind of Labrador part of our brain that goes what's it over there what's this here what's going on oh, I'm front of that oh my god I want to eat that oh I want to fuck that oh yeah, like yeah. and the other part of our brain goes geez man that looks tasty why would I want to eat that no, I don't think I want to sleep with him oh I don't think I want to do that and we observe that other part of it so we've got these two kind of wild parts of our head but the part of my brain that was observing could not do anything to influence the other one. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that part of allowing it in and accepting it and not hiding it away is, is probably the biggest, I think it's one of the biggest things people can learn about mental health because there's a massive misconception. Most people that struggle with mental health until they seek help or go through self-awareness, they try and put it in the corner because that's what humans do. But well, you need to do the opposite, basically. It seems scary. Sometimes you need intervention, meditation, yeah. whatever. But it's the only way to do it. Well, as you were describing agoraphobia, I'm starting to think oh, I might have that. I'm not diagnosed, but my thing, like sometimes when I go, we spoke about this a few episodes ago, and then somebody actually messaged me. I meant to say it, uh, a girl called Alex. Because when I go over bridges, or sometimes when I look up at the sky at the beach, I start going, oh fuck, the vastness of the sky. Am I gonna die? Or I go over a bridge, I go, oh, am I gonna fall off? I'm just gonna like die. Even though I'm on like Brooklyn Bridge, which it's physically impossible for me. I'm trapped in a cage that I think I'm gonna fall off. And I've had that before, and it's fucking, ah, oh, it's mental. Just take some walks across the bridge with Slowly. the sun describing what you see, you know? Yeah. And then, and, and that's that's the part of it. <laughs> I'm going to give you a call. <laughs> I'm on the bridge, you don't care. <laughs> you joke about that, but <laughs> the incredible thing that I learned in that fellowship of sobriety um, was, because I was terrified of strangers, right? So the first few meetings I went to, people started asking me for my number. I'm like, I don't give strangers my phone number. And some the person that was taking me to those meetings had to say, give each other our numbers here yeah. because before you pick up a drink you pick up a phone oh, oh right. right so I'll tell you this right now anytime you want to call me whether yeah. you're walking across the bridge or looking at the sky you can call me okay. alright because it's important you can't use a brain that has shitty thinking to think about the shitty thinking it's impossible yeah you can't think your, that's what I, no. you can't think your way out of whatever you can't do it. it's, like trying to, it's like trying to bite your own teeth so you, you kind of have to get someone else's brain who's not using your brain to think about the world yeah. and just trust they're telling you the truth. Yeah. And for me, that's you know been my doctors and, and my wife uh, and my friends. 
now that that part of my brain works properly, but I needed meds to do that. I needed meds to support that. Now, I've been on meds and been off meds. I've been on fucking tons of meds. I'm not on very many meds, mm. but it, you know, that's just part of what mm. is it is for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but it, I like cycling, all right, a lot. And you can't, you know, we've all seen the Lance Armstrong documentaries, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You can, you know, I'm not saying that he did this, but as a professional cyclist, whoever you are, because they will fucking do it, um, <laughs> you can fill yourself full of all the EPO you want, but you still have to pedal your fucking balls yeah, yeah. off up the Alpe d'Huez to win the Tour de France. It's like a steroid boost. It's, just, it's on juice, like, you still have to train every fucking day. You've got to fucking do the work. Well, yeah. Remember that, that doctor which unearthed that thing about Icarus? Icarus. Yeah. Icarus. Uh, Where, who? Have you seen that documentary? Icarus. Icarus. Uh, Some guy Icarus, went. Icarus, yeah, yeah he's incredible. Good doc, uh, good yeah. Unbelievable, yeah. <laughs> but, but he was Brian Fogel, he's amazing. Uh, but good. he was juicing up, but then he still wasn't winning some races. <laughs> he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? That's what he's trying to show that like, yeah. a lot of people are fucking yeah, doing it, man. Yeah, 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 he's a very powerful guy. It, amazing. I met him, he's amazing. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, Brian Fogel, yeah, he's an amazing, amazing boy. But basically, what I'm trying to say is like, you can take all the drugs, meds you want. But if you don't do the work, yeah. nothing is going to change. You have to do the work. You have to listen to your psychologists, listen to your psychiatrists, do the work, change your systems, change the way you do things. And because what you're doing is you're writing, every time you change the way you do things, you're rewriting your neural pathways. Like, you, uh, you know, for, for you and an SNC person, you would be, you know, I'm creating a new movement pattern. When you yep. do a deadlift, you cock your right knee in and that's collapsing your lower back and you're fucking yourself, right? So I'm going to give you a little cue here, put a band around your knees to make sure that you engage properly and whatever. And then now we're going to learn this new movement pattern. And after a while, we'll take the bands off and look at your deadlifts now. Your back doesn't hurt anymore. Brilliant, right? So similarly, similarly, you are writing those neural pathways those new neural pathways into your brain but you have to do the work you actually have to do things like notice the world around you be grateful for things find that gratitude be kind to other people deliberately go out of your way to be of service to people it sounds like a wank but what it does is it rewrites those things in your brain that snap to the automatic thoughts right um, and that's really that's really important to do it doesn't get better by itself man nothing no. you got to do no. the work you got to reach out you can't solve it yourself we've Come across this so many times. This is going to be episode 21, the end of season one, um, and everyone, we're starting to see so many commonalities between all the guests. No matter if you're from a charity or an expert or psychologist, we're all, we're all saying the same thing. Gary and I were like, if we could just condense this all into a book, <laughs> like a toolkit for people, you know, I'm not saying that we'd have the answer, but it would help people a lot, you know. But yeah, like you can't solve it yourself. You do need to seek help, and yeah. it's okay, you know. And it, and and the thing with seeking help is that it might. It's like dating, all right? A psychologist might not be the right person for you. If you're lucky enough to live in a major city, yes, yeah. all right, there's people who live in the regional areas that do not have this, but now telehealth has been, in yeah, Australia yeah. at least, telehealth is now accessible. If you don't vibe with your psychologist, that's okay. Yeah. You yeah. are you're okay to change. Yeah, and did, did you have that like through your path? Like, yeah. did you come across you and go, nah, and you're Well, stuck. yeah, like I've, I've gone to see trauma-specific psychologists and then yeah. we kind of hit a plateau and like I'm, I'm your skill set while very very good and very useful for yeah. what it is that I needed you for it doesn't serve me anymore we're not yeah. we're not uh, there's my life's different now and I, I, I'm, I'm at a I need to get some, something else here and, and and you know there's that's happened a few times in my life and yeah. you know she understood she's no problem well you know yeah. good luck off you go okay. off I go and I went and found yeah. some other people and that's the same you know well, Sammy, you and I were chatting over breakfast this morning how you're going to a new mentorship at the moment. He's teaching you skills. Yeah, yeah. That's what you need in your time in your career. Yep. You know, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's mental health or not. You need to do that at every stage of your life, yeah. right? Yeah, things change. Yeah, yeah. Of course. But if you don't vibe with your doctors, you've got to want to trust your doctor. 
you know, if you have a, a psychiatrist that you, you hate trust. or reminds you of your dad, the dread going there. It's like it's yeah. not. It's gonna have to be. You're gonna want the feeling that this person wants to help me. Yeah. Okay. And I understand that in some parts of the country and some parts of the world you don't have that option. I get that I'm incredibly yeah. privileged to have that. Yeah. Honestly, but I've been so lucky, so so lucky, because I've had one particular one. My psychiatrist was has been willing twice now to challenge his initial hypothesis yeah. and they're smart fuckers right they don't like to not be right no, yeah, so yeah. he was willing to challenge his initial hypothesis he's done it twice now and every time both times we've then changed medication and gone there you go yeah, we're getting we're getting closer to the center of this wow. there you go so I know but I, I slight people, tweaks people close to me have had psychologists and psychiatrists who be like no this is what it is and, and significant stuff too like no this is what's happening with your brain and you are not legally allowed to drive Second, why? And I said, no, I've written this letter, therefore, if you touch a car, it'll be fine. Anyway, five years go by, and this particular person, um, you know, was in another part of the, the country for work and went to go see another doctor and talked about this, and the doctor went, oh, really? We should run some tests on that. No, that's not the case at all. Five years they went without five driving years. a fucking car. Because their psychiatrist, an older person, and this there. person went, nah, that's fucking it. So I had, I've had to say, I've had a psychologist as well, and I've for that purpose of my journey is served me because it got me opening up talking about trauma and stuff like that. But he wasn't giving me any remedies or any practical solutions because that's the way my brain used to think and he was trying to teach me to let go, which was probably a valuable lesson at that time. But then I more recently met another psychologist and she was like, the, the lady that taught me, the, and she was like, no, 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 there's heaps of things you can do right in the yeah. moment. And I was like, I've been going around for the last three or four years thinking, that's not the answer, you uh, know? Mate, you're at a time in your life now, you're an eight week old, right? Yeah. You're at a time in your life now when like, you don't go into the US Open with a sore elbow, yeah. all right? Because by the time you get to the final facing Serena Williams, you're yeah, fucked. fucked yeah. So, you are going into the, the, you're going to the fucking, the Stanley yeah. Cup playoffs uh, of life. As your kid comes with more and more online, the demands and yeah. the scheduling and and needing to be there is, it, it's gonna bring everything up, mate. It's, it's, so, yeah. to be yourself, for your family, you owe it to them, to yourself, to, mm. To go right then, how can I serve everyone the best? Because you don't want your work to suffer, you don't want your family to suffer, you don't want yourself to suffer. And it's I had to do it, Jesus. It's amazing what a kid can do. Like the minute you have a kid, your whole your priorities do change, you have to give up some of your stuff, but also put you into context, you're like, fuck, I need to sort this shit out now. I have stuff with my mom back and arm, which I was you know, dilly dallying around. Now I'm like, I need to sort this shit out. Because I can't carry this for in my life, because it's gonna impact my son. I don't want that to happen, you know? No, and that's the thing. You have, we all have a chance to stop the patterns of behavior yes, that we yeah. did not like as kids to show up. Because mm. they become automatic. You're like, you, you, this thing that's never happened in your, I mean, Georgia was 10 when I met her, I was 40. So never in my life has this happened. So what do I do? And the thing that flew out of my mouth was the thing that my mom said to me when I was 10. Mm. Like, that's fucked. Both my, my parents perhaps didn't deal with things very well at that point in time. Yeah. Plus it doesn't belong to her. Yeah. She's a different kid with a different way of looking at the world. But the thing that flew out of my mouth and what I did was like, that belongs in 1984. Mm. What the fuck have I just done? Mm. And it, I didn't even have a chance to think about yeah, it. Yeah, but you know why you're already ahead of, let's say the average person, and it goes back to awareness? Because once you're aware of those things and you notice it, you can put a stop to it, you know yeah. what I mean? Whereas like, let's say your dad wouldn't have been able to do that. He would have just gone, bam, 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 yeah. this is the way I do it. They were doing the best they could with what they yeah. had at the time. Of you course, gotta, yeah. You've got to forgive your parents, Context. You have to forgive your parents. We love you. I love you, mom, dad. You have to, mate. You have to. The last part that we do is just, we do like four quick fire questions. So it's, you know, we just throw them at everybody and then we're going to try and tally them all at the end and see where we're at. So. Yeah, cool. So the first question, just 
it's a 30 second quick fire. When are you at your happiest? Oh, um, uh, uh, as much as I love my children. <laughs> well, I'm not with myself. <laughs> it is when I'm having completely wordless conversations with my wife while we are scuba diving. Oh, oh wow. we, we are unable to verbally communicate because you've got a regulator in, right? Yeah. Well, I can look at her and she can look at me and we can uh, completely communicate. Understand this happening. How fucking rad is that little wow. thing right oh, there? Tough. And we'll come up and we'll continue on as if we'd spoken it. Uh, that was amazing, wasn't that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or she'll say, and it had the red. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and we both know exactly what we're talking about. So that I have <laughs> that's cool. That's rela- those connection. moments are just amazing. Oh, wow. uh, out of 10, where do you think the world is currently in terms of mental health awareness? Oh, we are on an upticking scale, and I think we're over halfway Beautiful. easily. Yeah. And I'm excited about that. But Hans Rosling would tell us to beware of straight lines, but we're doing very, very well. It, yeah. It's bad, but it's getting better. Yeah. Out of 10, where are you currently with your own mental health? Um, I'm actually pretty good. Um, you know, but it's, it's it ebbs and flows, yeah. like anything, you know? It, it ebbs and flows. I, I, I actually often wonder this, because we ask people on the day, I wonder if we ask the same question today. Next day, would it be different? Would it be different? Just, yeah. It's ebbs and flows, probably, it would be, eh? I score myself every day, I think it's important yeah. to do, certainly if I'm dealing with... So it's a good through. point, just do it every day. Well, we have his yeah. number now, so... What about today, If I'm going through a tough time, I score myself... When I was off meds, I would score myself out of five every day with anxiety, and I, yeah. I told myself if I go over three for more than three days, I'm back on. Yeah. Oh, probably, yeah. um, because you know, and it's under, it's important to understand that it could be five that morning, but then the next day it's four, the day after that it's three, the next day it's one, yeah, and it right. comes back up again. And you yeah. just understand, and once you start understanding these things move in cycles, yeah. they're not permanent, they're not personal, they're not global. You're like, oh, okay, I deal with it, but when it kind of stays up for a little while, I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to get back on. You've got to do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, last one, mate. Uh, if you could recommend just one thing for people to do each day to improve their mental health, what would it be? Take the time to downregulate. Um, your uh, body if you can do it every hour it takes a minute less do a minute of box breaths do a minute of polyvagal breathing which is uh, box breaths is three in hold for three out for three hold for three or yep. four or five or whatever do polyvagal breathing which is uh, three inhale six exhale the exhale yep. has to be double uh, do if you want to amp the box breaths up tense your glutes tense your abs when you're holding and then feeling that relaxation. Do that for a minute. Yeah. And essentially, it's like a, like scuba diving, you're doing decompression stops as you go. So you're constantly just letting the valve off through the day. You're just letting the pressure cooker valve off through the day. And then you, you, you give yourself so much more buffer between that's annoying and fuck you, <laughs> you know, because what can happen is we can don't even realize we get ourselves to yeah. that point and then, you know, we'll yeah. say something to somebody that we love or yeah. care about or work with and, and blow a whole fucking deal or, you and know. The, the good thing about the box breathing is that you can literally do that anywhere, right? You can no do that on the bus. Yeah. No one has to know. If, if anyone wants to reach out, I'm trying yes. to you probably you have an agent for that. They can follow you. I mean, one of the great things. Hard to find. Follow on Instagram, the podcast. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I talk. I, my emails on the podcast every week. Send us your email at gmail.com. That's yeah. my actual email address. Yeah. Super easy to find me. Um, podcast is better than yesterday. Yeah, yeah. But That's, I think like it is. It's great. Like we're it's an absolute honor to have you on the show. Oh, man, I'm grateful. Gary and I were just blown away when you actually said yes. And but you play, you're playing a super pivotal role. Like if people. To have like that presence where you're two million people are looking at you on a weekly basis, and you're projecting out this 
message, which is not necessarily always positive. It's just real. Just we just think that's that so powerful. Thank you very much. I'm grateful to have the chance. Thanks, boys. Thanks very much, man. Thank Appreciate you. it, man. Thank Cheers. you. Thank Thanks. you so much. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzhere, and the Black Dog Institute.